We're in our series called Hang 10. Hang 10. Last week we were talking about hanging on to the word and we began or we ended the service with a confession. We ended the service with a confession. We're going to uh, start this week with a confession. I know you've been up and down a little bit, but uh, when everybody stand with me one more time, we're going to make this confession about the Word of God this morning. Guys, do we have that? Did I? We don't have it. Did I nix it? All right. Well, let me read this confession uh, over everybody this morning. All right. I believe the Bible in its entirety to be the Holy Spirit-inspired living Word of God and the only infallible rule of faith and conduct. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, I confess my absolute confidence in and commitment to the Bible, the Word of God, to read it, study it, love it, and live it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So, Father, we do. We set our hearts to receive your word. Holy Spirit, come. Minister in us that you might minister through us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So today, as people who live in submission to and the fullness of the Word of God, we're going to be people who walk in the, 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 like I said, the fullness of the Spirit, submission to the Word of God. Well, to do this, I believe that there's an area that we absolutely positively have to address. It's an area called moral purity. Moral purity. Say it with me. Moral purity. Okay? So I know that right up front, we, we, this is a battle. I know that there's a a little bit of a pullback sometimes. Wait a minute, moral purity, the church talking about uh, sexual things and moral things and intimacy things and issues of purity. I'm telling you, the world's talking about it. The church better be the one speaking the truth about it. So I know it's a fight. I know that it's a fight about definitions, and definitions are important. You know, some people have a definition of success that says, well, success is who makes the most money or drives the best car, lives in the nicest house, has the most fame. Uh, That's not my definition of success. I think success is people who make a difference, make a difference in the world, people who are significant, who impact people's lives. Some people's definition of fun, some people think that fun is when you go out and you hurt other people or drop a mic or, you know, cut somebody down or, but I'm telling you, you know what fun is? Fun is what we did yesterday. Fun is when you be able to get to use your time and your skills and your efforts to impact other peoples with the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. That's fun. The definition of sin, okay? Now, I think most of us, the definition of, our definition of sin is what other people do, okay? <laughs> so if I do it, it's a mistake or it might be a little bit wrong, but if somebody, oh, that's sin, that's bad, that's horrible, right? So I think we need to um, acknowledge, first of all, that, um, that, that there is a thing called sin. We've got a lot of people in our world that they don't want to acknowledge it. We want to do away with that word. Even in the church, we want to say that it's antiquated. But the Scripture warns us that we've got to be people who say what God says. Amen? Amen. Isaiah chapter 5 puts it like this. Verse 20, it says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter, who twist and who turn definitions. We're not the ones who gets to decide. We're not the ones who who say what's wrong, what's sin. God's already established that for us. He's loved us enough that he's gave us directions about that. So I know that it's a fight about the definition, but it's also a fight about deception. I believe that we are definitely in a fight, and if you haven't got that theme today, well, wake up. 
because there's a battle going on and we win. I said, there's a battle going on and we win. Amen. So there's a fight about deception. The enemy seeks to deceive people. Listen, the enemy, you are on the enemy's screen. He, you're on his radar. And if he, at all possible, he wants to deceive each and every one of us. The scripture says that there would be a day that would come, and I believe that we're in it, folks, when, when the very elect would be deceived, if it were possible. And so we're here. People, um, he wants to deceive us about our sin. He wants us to either ignore it, pretend that sin doesn't exist, or go to the other extreme and obsess over it. The only thing we can think, think about is, is what we've done and where we've been and, and let shame and guilt and all those things um, uh, you know, just invade our lives. Now, now, we can't ignore sin because sin destroys our lives and it destroys other people's lives. I, I would venture to say that every person here this morning that in some way, shape, or form, that you've been hurt, not just by your sin, but by somebody else's sin. And I want to say this right up front today. God's got more healing. God's got more help. God's got more comfort than any pain and hurt we'll ever experience. And it's available to you, and it's available to me today. Aren't you glad for that this morning? Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians says this. In verse 6, it says, Do you not know? that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Brothers and sisters, do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor, um, nor uh, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. Nor... We got this list going, and right about now some of us are going, see, I knew it. I knew it. Those homosexuals and those perverts, they're all going to hell. Well, listen, if that's how you're reading the scripture, don't stop reading, okay? Because the next word says, nor thieves. I heard somebody say one time that it's not just those other people, it's the people who steal their friend's Netflix account that's going to hell also, if that's how we're reading this scripture. Should we have the altar call right now? All right, so nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Listen to what he says. He said, and such were, come on, everybody say it, were, were some of you, but you were washed. Anybody thankful to be washed today? <laughs> you were washed, sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of almighty God. So you know what Paul's saying here? Paul's saying, hey, don't rank sin. Don't, don't, don't try to list and rank sin. Every sin is an offense to God. Every sin is, it's, it's a, a, a stands in direct opposition to the holiness of Almighty God. So, so let's, let's not do that. Let's not rank sin because all sin is ranked to God. Amen? Amen. Their sin, my sin, it's all ranked. So. And the truth of the matter is, you know what? I'm really not... Half is concerned about people knowing what's wrong. I generally, maybe I'm, maybe I'm naive about this, but, but you know what? I think people know when they're sinning. I think people know when they're missing the mark. I think people know when they're, when they're blowing it. I, I think that there's, there's something there generally. And so <clears throat> I don't want to spend all of our time telling people the things that they're doing wrong. I, I'm more concerned about people doing what's right. You know, if you and I would live half the truth we know, I believe things would be a whole lot different right where we live today. Amen? Do you believe that? So a fight about that, a fight about direction. 
I say not, not just a fight about definition, not just a, a fight about deception, but there's also a fight going on about direction. I remember as a youth pastor, many times I would have a, somebody come into the uh, office and they'd come in and they'd say, well, well Pastor Sam, I want to know, I wanna, what's wrong with, and then you could just fill in the blank, you know, drinking, drugs, sleeping together, or whatever it is, you know, you could just, just fill it all in there. And so, and I'd say, well, listen, but before I answer your question, before I tell you what I think, what the Bible thinks, I said, let, let me ask you a question. How wrong do you want to be? How, how, how wrong do we want to live? If our focus is, well, what's wrong with it? Then, then I'm thinking, well, how far, how close to the edge can we get without stepping over? How, how close to the fire can I get without getting burned? How, how close to the, to the sickness can I get without getting the disease? Does anybody see a problem with direction here? Man, we, that's not how we live. That's not who we are. We are people who are going to focus on living in holiness and righteousness and living according to the word and in the fullness of the spirit. Amen? Because what you focus on will control you. And we're not going to be people who focus on those things. We're going to be people who focus on the goodness of Almighty God. Amen? Amen. Amen. So here's some ways I believe today that we can hang on to moral purity. Here's some ways we can live in moral purity. You ready? We've got about uh, seven things I want to list to you. Number one. Number one is we need to acknowledge our ability to sin. You and I need to acknowledge that we do have the ability to sin. Now, let me be sure here. Let me look real close. Mm, yeah, yep, yep. I see everybody. I don't see anybody here who does not have the potential to sin in their life. I know that I certainly do, okay? So, so I think that's where we start. Let, let's not pretend. Let's not be holier than thou. Let's not hide behind these religious masks and veils. Let's understand that we have the capability to sin. Corinthians puts it like this in chapter 6. It says, now these things are, became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Bible saying, hey, there were some people back here. They lusted after some evil things. And so because we have the ability to lust after things, follow the example. Learn from them. Don't do what they did. He says, and do not become idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. I think that describes exactly where a lot of people live today. It says, nor let us commit sexual immorality. And as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell, they died. Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of, us, of some of them also tempted him and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain, if some, as some of them also complained, and they were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as an example. They were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Listen, what, what, what Paul's saying here is, hey, wake up, be alert that these were human beings just like you and I are human beings. And if they had the ability to grumble and complain and to commit lust and sexual adultery, then don't for one minute think that you can't do it too. As a matter of fact, he goes on and he says this. He says, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Let, let the one that says, not me, 
That, that's for somebody else. That's, that, that's for the weak. That's for the, that's for the ones who are, are immature. That's just for the believers. Not me, not me. Well, listen, I'm telling you, disciples know that if they're not living right and walking in the right direction, they're able to fall too. The Bible goes on and says, no temptation has overtaken you except as such is common to man. But God, come on, everybody say that, but God. Come on, say it, but God. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Thank God for ways of escape. Thank God for his comfort. Thank God for his provision. Thank God. You see, everybody deals with this issue of sin and with temptation. Jesus was tempted in every point like you and I. You and I are going to deal with temptation, and there are going to be times when we're going to be victorious over temptation. I pray it's most of the time, all the time, but there'll be times when we yield to temptation that we are able to sin. Listen to what Romans, and I'm sure we've all, <laughs> we've all experienced this battle. Like Paul writes about in Romans, he says this. He says, for the good that I will to do, I don't do it. But the evil that I don't want to do, that I practice. Has anybody ever been there? Anybody? I've told my story before, okay? Standing in front of the pantry and hearing the Holy Spirit said, get away, don't do it, move, <laughs> right? Don't, 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 don't do it. Shut the door, don't look at it, don't look at it. Have you ever had anything just jump off the shelf into your hands? I'm telling you, it's, just, it's amazing. It happens. It just happens all the time. I mean, you know, when we used to keep ice cream in our house, it jumped right out of the freezer. I'm telling you, it just, it would just move out of the freezer right into the counter, right into my bowl, right into my lap, right into my stomach. It was just amazing, right? He says, now, if I do not, in verse 20, now, if I do what I will not to do, it's no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. Goes down in verse 23, he says, But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity. Do not overlook this. The plan of the enemy, the, the purpose of sin is to make slaves of us all, is to bring us into captivity. He says, but I see this law working in me to bring me into captivity to the law which is of sin which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am. Has anybody ever been there? Oh, how can I do it again? How could I have said it again? How could I have looked at it again? How could I have touched it again? How could I, how could I have done it again? Oh, wretched person that I am. And you know, when you're in that place, you've got somebody speaking in your ear, right? You are, you're wretched, you're bad, trying to condemn us. But listen, listen to this. He says, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The answer has been provided through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Anybody excited about that today? That we have an answer. We have victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Number two, number two, ask the Holy Spirit to show you any area of sin. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm serious about this right here, right now. I just, just, just do this. Say, Holy Spirit, as is, is, is Pastor Sam's teaching this lesson today, just, just help me to see, is there any area, any area where I'm, I'm missing the mark, any area where there's moral impurity in my life, any area where there's lust or deception or, or sin, some place where I'm missing it in my life, God. Uh, Psalm 139 in the Passion Translation says, God, I invite you 
I invite your searching gaze into my heart. The King James says, search my heart, O God. Search us. He says, examine me through and through and find out everything that may be hidden within me. Listen, you know what the enemy wants? He wants you to keep it hidden. Keep, keep it pressed down to put it in a little room and never open the door to it because somebody might find out. Or, but listen, here's what God says. He says, find out everything within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious care. Sift through everything that would have some type of an impact in my life. He says, see if there's any pain, any sinful way that I'm walking in and lead me back to you. Lead me back to you. Listen, the end result of discovering sin in our life is not shame and guilt and condemnation and regret and remorse and all that stuff. It's not bondage, it's freedom because it points us back to Jesus. It reminds us that we need to turn to Jesus, to run to Jesus. Lead me back to you to your glorious ways, to that path that leads me back to you. So let me say it again today. If God's stirring up, if God shows you something in your heart, in your life, some area of sin, some area of failure, some area, maybe it's a hurt because of some kind of a, of a sexual sin that's been committed against you or against your family, then today the answer is not just to allow condemnation and heaps of guilt and, and shame to rest upon your life. The answer is to move towards Jesus Christ. The answer is to move towards forgiveness. And I believe today, guys, look at me, let me see your eyes. I believe today that from before we got here, the Holy Spirit was already organizing and, and orchestrating this to be a day of breakthrough and healing. And somebody today is going to get healing today. Somebody today is going to move to a greater place of breakthrough than you've ever been in your life. That's God's intention and that's God's purpose. So the third thing we're going to do is once sin has been recognized, we accept it and we understand what the Holy Spirit's saying to us. The third thing is we're going to act. We're going to take action and we're going to confess our sin. We are going to repent Everybody knows Jesus says to teach us in prayer, Lord, forgive us our sins. Forgive us our sins. In Psalm 32, verse 5, the, the psalmist wrote, he says, I've acknowledged my sin to you, God, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Let, let, me, let me say this. If we don't deal with sin It'll lead, it'll keep us bound in a pathway of transgression and it'll lead to a place where we're living in iniquity, which I believe iniquity is the continual practice of habitual sin in our lives. We'll be captives, we'll be slaves. That's not God's plan for our lives. God's plan is that we be people that when sin is acknowledged or recognized in our life, we break through quickly, we come quickly and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me. Listen, we'll never, as, we'll never as disciples outgrow a need for repentance in our lives. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth, <coughs> excuse me, the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you get this today? God's plan for you is cleansing. God's plan for you is righteousness. God's plan for you is forgiveness. Each and every one of us, that's what he wants for us. So the number four, the point number four then would be to accept, would be to accept forgiveness. 
Let's agree with and let's accept what God says and what Jesus has purchased for each and every one of us. Let's accept it. Let's, Let's receive it into our lives. Listen, read that verse again. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, from sin, from transgression, from iniquity. He cleanses us from all of it. If God cleanses us from it, who are we to not receive it? I'm telling you, time after time through the years, talking with people, have a conversation. Just last uh, week before last, I was talking to a gentleman, and uh, he was pouring his story out and showing what God was doing. And, and finally, I just told him, I said, you know what, man? It is great to see what God's doing in your life, what God has brought you through, what God has, has forgiven you of. The only thing I see that you need to do now is you need to forgive yourself. There's some people here that, that again, we're wearing the weight of sin. We're wearing the weight of shame on us. And I'm telling you, you don't have to wear the weight of shame upon your life when you've got the availability of the strength of the Holy Spirit. God wants you free today. Number five is to allow restoration. I think that all of us probably carry some portion of that spirit of the prodigal son. Does anybody remember the story of the prodigal son? The prodigal son goes off and he takes his inheritance and he wastes it on, um, you know, what's the Bible talk about? Wine, women, and wanton living. I'm not sure what all that means, but uh, he wait, right? He goes out there wasted. He finally comes to himself and <clears throat> says, I'm going to go back to my father's house, but I can't go back as a son. So now, I'm going to carry my disappointment, I'm going to carry my embarrassment, I'm going to carry my shame, and I'm just going to go back to my father's house, and I'm going to, I'm going to become one of the servants. And, and, and you know what he says? He says, I'm going to have to work to get my provision. I'm going to have to work to earn my place. And I believe that there are a lot of people in the body of Christ, a lot of disciples, a lot of believers today who think that, you know what, if I don't work good, I don't deserve good. And there's a lot of us that get wrapped up into this religious activity. Listen, guys, when we ask you to serve, when we say come and serve, it's never about religious activity. It's not something from you. It's something for you. It's something that will help you. It will something that will mature you and grow you. But this guy had this attitude, I've got to serve. I've got to do something. I've got to work if I'm ever going to get anything. But can I tell you, his father had a different plan. And can I tell you, your father has a different plan. And that plan is not for you to be a person who's just wrapped up in works and and all just doing more so that you might be able to get something. That plan was that father came out and he said, in your dirt and in your failure and in your disgust, I don't see that. I see my son. And I see somebody worthy of wearing a a robe. And let me put a ring on his finger. Let me put some some shoes on his feet. And let me welcome you back into the house. And can I tell you today, That's how God sees you. He doesn't see you as broken. He doesn't see you as defeated. He doesn't see you as as damaged goods. I, I don't care what's happened. I'm sorry what's happened. I'm sorry the, the, the pain. I'm sorry the, 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 the things that you've gone through. I'm sorry for the, for the moral failures that have taken place in your life. I'm sorry that you were the victim of somebody else's failure. I'm sorry about that. I really am. Folks, but I'm telling you, our God is a restorer. 
Our God is able to do what no man can do. Our God is able to reach into the deepest parts of our lives to the most hurtful places of our pain. And he is able to pour out healing. He is able to pour out grace. He is able to do a work of restoration. I read the Bible and it says that he's able to make all things new. All things new. Years ago, I was talking with a, a, a young lady and she, um, she was devastated. She had messed up morally. She had, uh, um, she had really seen, you know, always seen herself getting married as a virgin and now she had messed up and this wasn't going to take place. And I was talking to her and I just felt the Holy Spirit say, listen, you know what, God, we understand the physical dynamics of it, but can I tell you this, that God can restore a virgin spirit. I'm telling you, I know lots of people who, uh, I know lots of people, I, these are, they're coming up to play, they're not responding to the altar call, right? And so it's going, everybody reach your, hand, reach your hands out, pray for the worship team. God, we know how those musicians are. Lord, touch those musicians, right? But so, so but listen, okay, listen, listen. I'm serious. I, I know people who have technically married as virgins, but there was nothing virginic about their spirit. If, if they could have, they would have. You with me? Do we, need, we don't need to find that, right? If they could have, they would have, okay? And they probably did everything but, all right? And, and, and so that's, that's where their hearts were. But can I tell you, God is able to restore a virginic spirit and God is able to heal you, and God is able to bring restoration to you. And I believe that it's time for us to begin to say, God, I receive restoration into your house, restoration to the place where you, where you want me, because you know what? It's not just about you. It is about you, but it's also about your heritage. I'm telling you, for Yvette and I, and I apologize, I should have talked with her about this before, but uh, she was really lived a horrible life. And no, <laughs> that's, that's, but both of us in our families came from families that had sexual sin in their backgrounds. But both of us had, had, had there had been things that were just twisted and distorted. And, um, and there were certainly times where there was plenty of areas for repentance in our personal lives. But I can remember the time when before Bradley was born, there was a day we were uh, walking down at the beach and God had been dealing with us. And we went down to the beach and we, we drew a line. We saw the waves coming in and we drew a line in the sand and said, listen, sexual sin and devastation and promisc promiscuity and failure may be a part of our past, but it's not going to be part of our future. <laughs> it, it may have impacted our history, but it's not going to be part of our heritage and we drew a line in the sand. Guys, I can see it in my mind right now, standing there and praying and, 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 and repenting and, and receiving forgiveness and, and watching God, watching those waves just wash, wash that line away and to believe that God was doing a work of restoration in our lives and setting a new course for our family and for our heritage. And I'm telling you, that's what God wants to do for you today. He wants to do that for you today. Number six, accountability is absolutely essential. Folks, the purpose of accountability is not to have someone to grill us, not to say, what'd you do, what'd you say, where you been? That's not what it's about. It's about having someone to encourage us. 
someone to be objective for our benefit, someone to counsel with us, someone to help us, someone that we can be open with, somebody that's going to walk with us. We all need accountability. We all need people that we, can, that, we, that, that we can depend upon. We all need somebody to help us. Listen, there's no place for a lone ranger spirit in the kingdom of God. Okay? We're never ended alone. Ephesians chapter 5 says it like this. You were once in darkness, but now you are, in, now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of the light. He goes on, he says, verse 10, find out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Expose them. One commentator says that if you expose them, you render them harmless in your life. You render it harmless in your life. He goes on and says this, he says, but, um, but it's, uh, all things are exposed in the light. They're made manifest by the light. The enemy says, keep it hidden. The enemy says, don't tell anybody. The enemy says, you, you've got to just you and God deal with it. Just hide it. Just protect it. And God says, no, expose it. Bring it out into the light. He says, get it out there where it can be dealt with. James 5, 16 says this, confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Listen, there's some qualifiers in this verse right here. Okay, confession, we'd said it First 1 John 1, 9, confessing to God brings forgiveness. Confessing to men brings healing. I don't know about you, I want both. Anybody need, anybody want forgiveness? Anybody want healing today? Anybody want healing? I want it, we want it all. But the Bible says here that it's the, the effectual, fervent prayers of the righteous. Listen, you don't just tell everybody your stuff. You found somebody who's righteous. You find somebody who loves you and somebody who cares for you and somebody who will pray for you. We all need accountability. And finally, we've got to have an aggressive mind style. We are in a fight, guys. No passivity. We're going to fight for all that God has for us. We're going to fight for purity. Look look at me. I'm telling you, I've been there. I, I got saved in the Jesus movement, lived where zeal and was everything. And, and I, there was a time in my life I thought, well, I'm struggling with something. I need more power. I need more power. If I can get enough power, I'll have purity. Can I tell you, that's not how it works. The way that it really works is if you get enough purity, you'll have more than enough power. If you'll let the purity of God flow in your life and through your life, having the power of God will be no problem in your life. So we're going to fight for purity We're going to fight for purity in our soul. We're going to fight for purity with our actions. Romans chapter 6 goes on and says this, Knowing this, verse 6, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer, no longer be slaves, no longer be slaves, no more slaves in the house, no more slavery to sin, no more slavery to immorality, no more slavery with our eyes or with our hands, no more slavery to, uh, to pornography, no more slavery to it. And, and, and I'm not just talking to the men. I, the statistics I read this week said that, that the increase in pornography among women has gone up 70% in the last two years. No more pornography. And women, we apologize for leaving you uncovered in that area. No more. No more. Verse 10 says, for the death that he died, he died once He died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So likewise, reckon yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to Jesus Christ. Therefore, 
Do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lust, but present your members. Listen to this. Present your members as instruments of, don't present your members as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. For the members, your members as instruments of righteousness to God, for sin, for sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin doesn't get to rule your life. Sin doesn't get to direct your steps. Sin doesn't get to influence your future. Sin doesn't get to influence your heritage. Sin doesn't get to impact your children. The righteousness of God will rule in our lives. Amen? So we're going to fight. We're going to fight for purity in our actions. We're going to fight for purity in our minds. We're going to think right thoughts and we're going to have right attitudes. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 puts it like this. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare. Come on. Do you know how to fight a battle? You got to have some weapons, right? That's how we're going to fight our battle with the weapons of warfare, which are not carnal, but they are mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. 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 There have been, there've been, there've been patterns of, of sin, patterns of thought, patterns of actions that have become strongholds. They've become places of iniquity in your lives. And today they're going to be broken. Today they're going to be destroyed. Today they're defeated. Today they come down in the name of Jesus. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every, every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, being ready to punish all disobedience, right? Man, we're going to say, hey, no disobedience in my life. No, I submit myself, I submit my actions, I submit my attitudes, I submit my heart, my mind, my soul, my body. I submit it all to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Is that, am I talking to the right people this morning? Folks, I'm telling you, God wants to work a work of healing and a work of wholeness and a restoration in your lives. And, and, and can, I, can I say this? I, 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 I was battling with this this morning when I got up. I was struggling with this, and, and there have been just things that have been going on that have been just influencing, and, and I thought, and I, and I was praying over this, and the Lord said that there's somebody there this morning, there's somebody there this morning that they've already started down the pathway of having an emotional affair. They're, they're already chatting, and they're already talking with somebody, and they're already saying things beyond a level of righteousness and purity. Can I tell you, don't go any further. Can I tell you, it's time to stop it's time to repent. You know what repent means, right? It means turn around, go a different direction, change your way of thinking. It's time to step out of the bondage of slavery, the bondage of sin. And I know that there's people you may feel like, well, it's hopeless. I'm in too deep. I've, I've already gone too far. Listen, God's a God who loves you. There's nothing that God can't restore. And today we're going to give him an opportunity to do that. Amen.